Hello folks, this is edition 11 of the Washburn Files podcast, talking Celtics and NBA, and we have a lot to talk about. Things aren't so good in Celtics land. Uh, the Celtics are struggling. As we speak, they're a 500 team. They're basically the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, which means that the season ended today, and it doesn't. There's 32 more games left, 30-plus games left for the Celtics to try to make something of this season, this regular season, they would be in the play-in tournament, which means they play the 10th seed and have to fight it out just to get to that first round where they could play the the second seed. That's not where they want to be. I think we know by now that the Celtics aren't going to win the East. I think I don't think they're going to make up six and a half or seven games in 30 in 30 games, it's just too much to do, too much work, too many bad losses if you're the Celtics. So I think realistically the Celtics have to target that third or fourth seed. Fourth seed, um, you're going to get home court advantage in the first round uh, and then play the number one seed, maybe a Sixers team in the first round. Right now, the Celtics uh, – are tied for the seventh seed with Charlotte, and they are seven and a half back of Philadelphia, six back of the third seed, which is Milwaukee, with two matchups next week with the Bucks. So huge games there, and then a game and a half behind Miami for the fourth seed. So things are shaping up in the East. It was early, but um, like the great Yogi Berra said, it's getting uh, late early here. Um, we are. 40 games into the season for the Celtics. Uh, most of the teams have played 40, 41 games already. So uh, times are a, a wasting for the Celtics to try to make some type of run here. They can't wait until the last 10 games, go 8-2, and two, and take their chances. They literally have to do something now, and they have a soft part of their schedule. Uh, let's go over the schedule as we speak. Um, Sacramento is the first game as uh, as uh, of airtime in Orlando, then at Memphis, two at Milwaukee, at Oklahoma City, then home games against the Pelicans, the Mavericks, and the Rockets up until April 2nd. That's like the next two weeks for the Celtics, right? And if you look at the schedule, they should beat the Kings in Magic. Memphis will be a tough game, but it's a game they can win. If you're a Celtic fan, you hope they split the two games against Milwaukee, but that back-to-back against Oklahoma City is a tough one because Oklahoma City is a, a team that plays really hard. And then you got home games against the Pelicans, who aren't good on the road, and then Luka and the Mavericks and then the, the terrible Rockets. So let's do the math here. That is six, seven, eight, nine games. If you're a Celtic fan, you got to hope six and three. I would give a loss to Milwaukee, maybe that a loss in there to Memphis, and then maybe to Dallas. Um, but you got to think six and three or seven and two in the next nine games. That's critical if the Celtics want to make a run because then the schedule gets a little bit tougher. Then you get Charlotte at home. That's a tough game. Philadelphia at home and the Knicks. Timberwolves then a West Coast trip at Denver, Portland, and the Lakers, and then Golden State then Chicago, Phoenix, and then Brooklyn again, at Brooklyn, and at Charlotte. So the, the schedule gets tougher. This is a key nine-game stretch. 
And the thing that disappoints Celtic fans, I'm sure, is disappointing for the team is they thought they would get this thing kicked off with a win at Cleveland. That's kind of started this stretch against teams that were not very good, losing records. Instead, they come out sheep sleeplessly against the 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 Cavaliers. They fall behind seven to two. They let I mean, here's the thing about that game that I think that if you're a fan of the NBA, you know the Celtics, and you and you follow the Cavs a little bit. Hey, Cleveland's a team that's really young. They they they're getting trying to get rid of their old parts. They're they're you know, Kevin Young, Kim, sorry, Kevin, Kevin Love isn't basically isn't playing. Andre Drummond's been put out the pasture until he gets traded. So they're throwing a bunch of youngsters out there and just trying to get better. But they do have talent. They've they got, they got lottery picks. Darius Garland, lottery pick. Colin Sexton, lottery pick. Larry Nass Jr., a solid player. Um, you know, Isaac Okoro, lottery pick. Like, they got guys who were supposed to do well in this league. And if you give them confidence, you let them get it going early, then you've got a tough game. Cleveland's lost a lot of games in the fourth quarter because they can't execute down the stretch. But you fall behind 10, 12, 15, 17 points in the first half. You've got a game on your hands. It's exactly what happened. The Celtics had no answer for the speed and the penetration of Garland and Sexton. No answer in the first half. They fell behind. They were down 55-38 at halftime. They just looked like they didn't even want to be there. And I'm not understanding why, you know, um, that's the thing. You lost the night before you lost a tough game to Utah, um, a game that you, you had, had your chances and you're a couple of big shots um, away from making that game really interesting and maybe tying it down the stretch. The problem was the Celtics missed their big shots and the Jazz hit theirs. You know, a couple of three-pointers from Donovan Mitchell, you know, a pull-up three-pointer off the break from Mike Conley, like clutch shots. And the Celtics just didn't do clutch. That was not a clutch game for them. So they lost. The next night you think, okay, let's go crush Cleveland like a grape. Let's jump on them. Let's get a dub. Let's go, you know, move forward. Let's forget that Utah game. And instead, it turns into a losing streak. And now you've lost two in a row after a win against Houston, which is now pr- pretty much the worst team in the league. You, 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 you piled it up on the Rockets. It was a nice win. Um, after getting punched in the mouth in the first quarter, you you know restored order and won pretty easily. Uh, obviously led by as many as 30. So, you know, a nice feel-good win, but still against one of the worst teams in the league. So in that situation, um, you got to come back against Cleveland and play with some passion. And I don't know why this team lacks the passion. And I tend to think that it's leadership. This is my theory. Um, You've got Marcus Smart, who hasn't been around for a while. He's the fiery leader. But when you are Marcus Smart and you always jump in your teammates, guys tend to tune that out uh, eventually. You know, guys tend to tune – the thing, you know, like, okay, here's Marcus again talking. Like, they tend to to tune that aspect out. So, I don't know how much Marcus's words are piercing his teammates. Jalen Brown is more of a leader by example. He, I think there's a lot he doesn't say. I think Jalen has 
a lot of issues with how the offense is run, his role, but I don't think he wants to stir the pot and start any mess. So he doesn't say anything or he keeps to himself or he bites his tongue or he gives no comments to questions. Jason Tatum is just, at this point, needs to be a better leader. You know, he can't keep with the ums and I don't knows and we'll have to just work it. Like, he's got to be more fiery. Like, that's what leaders do. That's what top 10 NBA players do. Now, you know, if you want to do the Kawhi Leonard path and just not say much, you know, that might work. But you also need leaders on your team that can kind of compensate for that. In Toronto, you know, he had Kyle Lowry to 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 kind of be in Serge Ibaka to kind of be the mouth of the team, the leadership. In San Antonio, the veterans, you know, Parker and Ginobili and those guys were leaders. So Kawhi was a young guy on that team. He didn't have to say much. He just had to play. So Tatum is being asked to be the leader of this team in terms of like leading scoring and and one of the cornerstones, one of the heads of the snake. But then he's got to be a better leader. He's got to play harder earlier in games. He can't settle for these. And, and this has been a problem for the last couple of years now, step, selling for those step back, 28 foot threes, thinking, trying to be so pretty. Like the game isn't pretty and you can't always be pretty. There's pretty aspects to the game, but the game is won and lost. Even though we are going through all these changes with how the NBA is played and Euro steps and, uh, three-pointers and all that, the game is still played by attacking the basket, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. That's still good. That's never going to change. It looks pretty for Tatum to look, you know, it looks great on a basketball card that he's, you know, or a highlight that he's splashing a nice 28.3 foot three-pointer. But, you know, if they're not going in and you're not being effective that way, then it's time to drive to the basket, get to the free throw line. Tatum plays the game pretty until he doesn't have to. Then suddenly in the second half against Cleveland, he had attacked the basket. He got to the line. Same with Jalen Brown. It's like they took them getting their butts kicked to, to, to step up. And what happened in that second half? First of all, if you score 72 points in the second half, that's a that's 144 points for a game. You should not lose that game. The Celtics scored 72 points in the second half. The problem, they scored 38 in the first. Why do you play such drastically different second half? Sorry, halves. Because you're not focused. And Brad Stevens has got to be, he's got to start jumping these guys. And, and obviously, I think there's there's certain things he says and does in uh, private that we don't get to see. Um, but for me, I think he's got to start calling guys out. Like he said, that he he liked the way they started that game. They were down seven to two, fifteen to seven. Like I didn't see an inspired start. I didn't see a start that was that said, okay, these guys are ready to play. And he used the excuse, well, guys started missing shots and putting their head down. These guys are not young anymore. Okay, Tatum and Brown are too old, too more mature in this league to be quitting after because shots aren't going down. I don't think that's a good excuse. I thought Brad's response to the loss to Cleveland was kind of concerning to me. That, well, we started out okay, and then we lost our confidence. Is your team that fragile that 
let's say a couple of missed shots in the first quarter is going to affect them for the whole game? Because that's what it sounds like. I mean, this is a 48-minute game. I think what we are taking away from this uh, March Madness and all these tournament games that are going on right now is that there's games inside of games inside of games. Like, there are literally six or seven turns to every one of these tournament games in a 40-minute game. One team starts out fast. One team looks like they don't even want to be there. Then the team that doesn't want to be there makes a run, and then they start going at each other, and it's a it's a drama. It's a complete, like, a, 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 a dramatic movie. It's a Martin Scorsese movie. It's compelling. Just add eight minutes. That's the NBA game. Just because you have a slow six minutes does not mean you give up for the rest of the game. You got 42 more minutes to make up for it. So the whole, we put our heads down after the, like, that's not a good excuse. That's terrible. That's coaching. That's motivation. That's these guys taking opponents lightly. I don't understand as a Celtic, if you're the Celtics and you have a 500 record, why are you to take any opponent lightly? You're 500. Teams are looking at you like, yeah, that's fresh meat right there. We can get, we can win in Boston. You think Utah came in and thinking, ooh, we got to play the Celtics. Like, oh boy. They thought we can win this game. We just got to play our game. We can beat this team. The same with all the other teams that come into the garden. They're not scared. And they shouldn't be. Why would they be? Boston's a 500 team. But yet, the Celtics go into these games against Cleveland and Washington and Detroit. Oh, we got these dudes. They're chumps. Okay, Colin Sexton ain't a chump. Darius Garland, they're just young. They don't know how to win yet. And they're going to keep playing hard because they have a young coach who implores them to play hard. And so what happened? The Celtics make runs in the second half, and suddenly the Celtics can't respond. They can't rally. They they fall sh uh, two or three shots, shots short, and then they lose. 117-110. Even though they scored 72 points in the second half. I'll keep reiterating that. You scored 38 points in the first half and 72 in the second. And what happened? You scored 36 points in the fourth quarter. Cleveland scored 35 on 71% shooting. That's terrible. Why can't the Celtics close out games? Why are they getting... And this is Cleveland. This isn't a veteran, savvy club. This is a team that's essentially... Like, just trying to get to the next level. They're not a talented, super talented team. They're a team that you should beat. Now, they'll push you to the to the limit. And, you know, you could, you know, you might win at the end because they played some teams very tough, you know, and they beat Brooklyn. And, and, you know, they got some decent wins, but there's a team you should beat. They're coming off a of back-to-back. Remember, folks, the night before, Cleveland lost at Miami. So they was not like, oh, they were well-rested. You can't use the rest excuse. You can't use that if you're the Celtics. The excuse was, we got our heads down after we missed some, a couple of shots. That was their excuse. That's not good enough. Tatum has to be tougher. Brown has to be tougher. Everyone besides, Marcus can't be the only one talk, telling his guys to play harder. That's just inexcusable. So what do the Celtics do? Your problem is this. Look at the problem. 
straight out first. They're just not motivated. And I've written and I've said that they've tuned out Brad Stevens at times, and I think that's true. Do I think Brad's a bad coach? No. Do I think he's doing a great job? Absolutely not. Something is going on. They are not motivated to play for each other, to play for their coach, or even to play for themselves. It's sad. It's really sad that a team this talented is 20 and 20. They just shouldn't be 20 and 20. They've lost 20 games. Like, I think, I think you know, the kind of the projections for a 72-game season for the Celtics, I want to say, was like 46 and 26, right? Well, I think that was the kind of prediction. They might come close to a 50 to 50 wins, but, you know, they could 46, 26, 47, and 25, something like that. You know, 20-something 20, 20 games above 500. You win two out of every three games. That was the projection. Now, I mean, they'd be lucky um, to go something like 40 and 32. That would mean they would have to go 20 and 12 the rest of the way. 14, that's 20 and 20. Good luck with that. Can they win 20 out of their last 32 and go 40 and 32? I mean, that's really average, right? Like, that's not a great record. I mean, you want to look at the rest of the league? You want to look at the standings? Um, Philadelphia already has 28 wins. So does Brooklyn. Milwaukee has 26. You're eight wins behind Philadelphia, seven behind in the win in the losing loss column, with one game left against Philadelphia. So there's a lot to unpack here. What can be done? One, they've got to be better than that. They've just got to have a come to Jesus moment and be better overall consistent. Like they can't, these slow starts are unacceptable and they've got to notice when they're starting slow. And it might come to the fact that Brad just literally um, benching guys, like taking minutes away. You know, got, I mean, mixing it up. If that's what it's going to take, that, hey, if you don't play hard, if you're out there Cadillacking, I'm going to take your playing time, that's the level that it might have to be. It might have to be that. Because some there's got to be some repercussions. You've got to play hard all the time. Not necessarily play well, but play hard. Do whatever it takes to help your team win. If you're Cadillac, and that first half against Cleveland was downright pathetic. It was pathetic. Like, how do you let that happen? And the way I look at it is, it's just complacency. And then everyone looks at each other like, well, we really don't know what happened. Like, we just we started slow. And, you know, like, unacceptable. Unacceptable. Let's look at the first half. Okay. Cavs 55, Celtics 38. Let's look at the first half numbers. Tatum, five points on two for eight shooting. Marcus Smart, eight points on two for four. 
Jalen Brown, seven on three for nine. The bench was actually fine. Teague had four points, Pritchard six. Robert Williams had six and nine rebounds and three assists. I mean, Robert Williams playing out of his mind. He's playing his butt off. Grant Williams, 0 for 4. Okay? So, you just get nothing out of your starting lineup. Daniel Tice did not attempt a shot, did not score in the first half. Shimmy hit two free throws, finished with two points in in almost 12 minutes, 0 for 3. So, basically, you're getting nothing out of two, two of your starters. And then um, you're getting not little out of Tatum. To, you know, Tatum takes five threes in the first half, misses all five. I think that's a message. Attack the basket. Two for three on twos, 0 for five on threes. Jalen did try to attack the basket. He was three for nine, one for two from three. I mean, just a, a, a pathetic effort. Meanwhile, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland combined for 32 points on 12 for 23 shooting. I mean, Sexton was a plus 22 in the first half. Garland was a plus 10. I mean, it's unacceptable. This is Cleveland. Okay? Then in the second half, when you're trying to rally, then guys who don't usually do things do things because they're comfortable and they're confident. So, Larry Nance Jr., let's look at the second half. Larry Nance Jr., 5 for 5, 14 points, 2 for 2 from the 3. Like, Larry Nance turns into the ultimate stretch 4. Sexton scores 15 points. Garland only took 5 shots in the second half. He had 7 points. Isaac Okoro made some plays, 11 points in the second half. Do you see what I'm saying? Cleveland's Young guys got confident because the Celtics led them with their terrible defense, and then you can't stop the flood. You can't, you can't, you can't do anything about it. It's over. You've been. That's how you lose the game. Cleveland scored thirty-five points in the fourth quarter. Like that's when you. That's money time, right? When your defense steps up, you get these defensive stops. Nope, not the Celtics. They let Dean Wade hit two threes. I mean, this is unacceptable. So what do you do now? The Celtics have to just <laughs> figure it out. I mean, Steven said, oh, he he, he liked the um, the effort after me, you know, and then the second half. I mean, there's got to be some, like, anger going on here. There's got to be some, just some, something's got to spark these guys to be better. If not, they're going to be one of the more disappointing Celtics teams in a few years. Even the Kyrie team, the one that lost to Milwaukee, that kind of gave up. At least they made it to the second round of the playoffs. This team, you can't say they're going to win a playoff series, right? Like you don't, you know, they're going to win. A, they're going to win the two seven. Like they're going to win the. They're going to beat Brooklyn in the first round because that's where they're headed. If you're the Celtics. Your best hope is to get the fifth or fourth seed and then get a series with Miami and take your chances for on a rematch. That's your best hope. I don't think they can beat Philadelphia, Milwaukee, or Brooklyn in a first-round series. I don't think they can beat them in a second-round series either, but you take your chances. So what they need to do, one, six, six days before the trade deadline, 
It's coming up. And uh, the Phils have made no moves. Meanwhile, they watch as Milwaukee is P.J. Tucker, uh, Phoenix. I'm not saying Phoenix is a, a, a rival. Phoenix isn't a rival. But Phoenix turns around and just takes Tory Craig away from off Milwaukee's hands to for roster space for a second round pick. The Celtics could have done that. Tory Craig is not needed on this team. And then Miami goes and gets Trevor Ariza and gives up that, you know, Myers Leonard. Let's not talk about that guy. And, you know, they get Trevor Ariza. These other teams are trying. They're upgrading their roster. Brooklyn gets Blake Griffin. What is the Celtics doing? Nothing. And Danny, oh, well, I mean, you can't always get the perfect deal. You got to take chances. I think the problem with Danny Ainge, he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want egg on his face. He doesn't want to make a mistake. You can't, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be guys you get. I look at the Lakers, okay? The Lakers won the title last year. You remember who they signed? They signed, in the middle of the season, J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters. Neither of those two worked out. Both are out of the league. Both are waiting for calls at home. Now, you know, hey, the Celtics wanted to shake things up. You can sign one of those guys. I'm not saying that. But you, they literally took a chance. And sometimes you get burned. It's like the Celtics don't want to sacrifice any of their roster spots to take a chance. And it, it, it wasn't always like that. Remember David Lee, Troy Murphy, Mike Finley. Remember Michael Finley was a Celtic for a hot minute. Like they, um, Greg Monroe. Remember Greg Monroe had his moments. Um, They went out and got a veteran to help supplement the bench. And if the, if the, Consequences, well, we, we we're going to have to waive um, Tremont Waters, or we're going to have to waive Javante Green, which I don't think they should. I think he serves a purpose. Or Carson Edwards, like it just sometimes that's what you might have to do. And I'm not saying get rid of those guys; those guys don't belong. I'm not saying anything like that. But sometimes you got to part with guys, maybe who might get it later. And I think the Celtics are so afraid that they're going to release a guy who's going to go somewhere else and flourish. That happens all around the league. It happens. You get rid of a guy two years too early. I mean, you know, you, you, I'm going to go by baseball. You, you think you think the, the Twins still, you think they regret non-tendering David Ortiz? <laughs> but do you think they really were, were, were pissed off? Like, that was one of the bigger mistakes in probably uh, sports history, right? Uh, letting uh, Ortiz walk and sign with the Red Sox and non-tendering him when he when he was supposed to get paid. You think the twin like there's been bigger mistakes and sometimes what you have to do is you got to take a chance. I mean, I still say Isaiah Thomas is out there. He couldn't help this team. He couldn't give you scoring off the bench. He couldn't get to the free throw line. He couldn't solve some of your problems offensively. He's that bad? No, it's not true. He he can help you. It's absurd that he's out of the league to me. And secondly, 
you, 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 the guys you have on your team have shown you what they have. It's 40 games into the season. Okay, Jeff Teague has played better, but still it's been a disappointment. Carson Edwards had his moments. He had a good game against the Clippers, but he still hasn't taken the step forward that a second-year player should have. Tremont Waters, I like the kid. Amazing kid. Great guy. But I don't know if he's an NBA player. Like, he's got to shoot better. The one game, the Atlanta game, he really shot the ball well. That's the first time I've seen that because his major weakness has been like he just he can't shoot. He can get the ball. He can, he can um, you know, whip the ball around the floor and be a distributor, but he can't shoot. So that's that's tough when you can't shoot. Taco Fall, I mean, it's been two years. I don't say release him, but I definitely say, you know, it, it's time for Taco to either be an impact player in this team. I'm not talking about 25 minutes a game, but, like, use him for something. Like Brad said against after the cat, oh, I, I was contemplating using Taco to do something. Like, if it's, if, if it's up to Taco and you use him for five first-half minutes, to just literally become a nuisance out there, then why not? What are you saving him for? If if you know if, if Taco's gonna get two three fouls, he just he's gonna be foul prone. Taco is never gonna play thirty five minutes a game. He commits too many fouls because he's seven six seven five. Guys go up. He he get, makes the contact or gets the contact, and then um then he gets he's gonna get the foul. That's just how it is. So tacos, you play him in spurts. Throw him out there. If that's what you're contemplating, then give guys a chance who aren't playing. And it's unfair, but something's got to be done. First of all, Danny needs to make a move. Some type of bench help. If it's signing a guy off the street, you know, I don't think anyone's going to blame Danny for releasing Tremont Waters or Carson Edwards. If, car, if if those two guys go and make, you know, make a good career somewhere else. Remember how long Danny held on to Gershon Yabuselli. Remember that? They even um, honored his deal. They even added his, added his deal and to his deal and then released him. Right after summer league, when he he's supposed to dominate summer league and he wasn't, and it's like he doesn't still doesn't get it. Gershon's out the league, so is Ante Zizek. Now they traded Zizek and the Isaiah Thomas and the, for the Kai Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder in the Kyrie deal, but if you're the Celtics, like you see the perils of holding on to guys too long. Sometimes you got to trade a guy when he's got worth, you know? I mean, so I don't know what Ainge is afraid of in terms of, like, we don't want to sacrifice any of our precious roster spots. You don't have a guy, like, I can understand if you've got a guy on your bench who's like, okay, one of these um, one-and-done kids or kids who's going to be something in a, in a couple of years, like a, you know, uh, Anthony Simmons or or Darius Balls, one of these guys who 
isn't ready now, but it's going to help you down the road, has all the physical tools, but just needs to basically practice and get experience. One thing, a mistake I thought the Celtics made was backing out of the G League. You couldn't give, um, you couldn't give Taco and Tremont and Carson extra reps and down there in Florida, you could like, you needed them that badly. And Neesmith, you couldn't send those guys down there and, and play 25 games and get to some confidence at, at the high, you know, not a, a level that's above, you know, NCAA. You couldn't do that. Like, I don't understand that. I don't get that. And if I'm, um, you know, Celtic fans should be upset. Like, like, why did you opt out of the D G League? Was it too expensive? Why did you not give all these young guys a chance to play? You know, I know your roster is short, but you could have done something. You could have put together a team. You could have sent Taco, Tremont, and Carson down there, and maybe Neesmith. And then, you know, dealt with the concert. But I get it. Injuries, COVID. You need something. You know, you need depth. I get it. But I think that hurt them. So Danny Ainge has to make a move. There has to be a something that says a, a player out there. I don't know if it's Harrison Barnes, Terrence Ross. I saw a guy the other day who's doing very little. In Cleveland, that's um, Torian Prince, 27 years old, a 3 and D guy, a good defender, a guy who can really help this team off the bench, who could be, you know, who could take some pressure off Jalen and Jason. That's a guy I think he makes $12 million this year and 13 the next. So you could take him into your – you could throw in a, a – now, if would Cleveland ask for a first-round pick, a protected pick, let's, you know, that would be interesting to see what the Cavs would ask, but that's a guy I think the Celtics should go after. He's young. He hasn't played much. He's coming off a shoulder injury. He was very good in Atlanta. He was solid as a as a compliment in Brooklyn. And then he got, you know, kind of traded and thrown into the, the Harden deal and ended up in Cleveland where it's just not going to work. I mean, they're they're looking to move him. You know, he's not a part of their future. Take a, why wouldn't you, a 27-year-old wing who doesn't make a, a, an amazing amount of money, I mean, you can take that into your trade extension and throw in some second-round picks. I think Prince is a guy they should go after. If you don't want Terrence Ross, if Orlando isn't sure if they want to compete, um, you know, maybe Sacramento's asking price for Harrison Barnes is too high. Go after a guy like Torian Prince. I thought... I saw him work out. He worked out before the game. He was out with a shoulder injury. He's sitting up there waiting to play. Um, so what happens now? What do you do? And to me, you do something. You have to do something if you're the Celtics. There has to be something that gets – I mean, you just can't run this team out there and hope – that from 20 and 20, they win 20 out of the last 32. Good luck with that. And then head full head of steam into the playoffs. Remember, this team was 8 and 3. So you want to do your math? They're 12 and 17 in the last 29 games. 
Is that really the team they are? Are they a 12 and 17 team? Because it's, that's exactly what um, their record says. They're a team that's going to win one night and lose the next. And you got real tests coming up. Memphis on Monday, and they really embarrassed Memphis. Morant did not play in that game. They really embarrassed the Grizzlies when they met the first time here in Boston. Memphis is very good at home. And then you got a two-game set with the Bucks, and then a tricky back-to-back Milwaukee to Oklahoma City. So you got to fly in Oklahoma City the middle of the night on Friday and get ready for a Saturday night game against a team with a bunch of young guys, Dort and Gilgis Alexander and Ballsy and all those guys. And Al Horford, hey, let's throw him in there too. Not young, but he's playing for him. So there are some tests coming up. And Danny Ainge needs to do something with this team. I suggested Torian Prince. I think that he's a perfect target. No one's talking about him. I think he's expendable. I think he's a guy who, in the right system, he can defend. He could be so helpful for Brad. No one's pressure he would take off of Jalen and Jason. They could play those three guys together with maybe Marcus and Kimba or Marcus and uh, or Kimba and Tristan. Stretch the floor. Have them hitting corner threes. To me, that's a luxury. Because you don't have anyone on their, your roster that can do this. That's the problem. You don't have anyone who can do it. Okay? Um, you know, Grant Williams tries really hard. He plays really hard. He's taken a major step back this season. Offensively, he's not playing smart ball. There's two examples in the Cleveland game. Real quick. One, he went up for a layup against Jared Allen. Allen is a high-flying, big-time athletic big man. Blocked the shot. It, it could have been goaltending. It wasn't. Grant was upset that it wasn't called and kind of went down, ran down the floor and fouled Allen hard in the first half and then got a flagrant. Grant, what are you doing? What are you doing? Late in the third quarter, the Celtics are on a run. Cleveland is trying to work down for the last shot. Grant's trying to work away from, like, work through a screen. Pushes, literally just pushes JaVale McGee in the back with the Cavs in the bonus. So you bail them out. McGee split the free throw, so it wasn't that costly of a play, but it just shows you that's not smart basketball. Why foul JaVale McGee 30 feet from the basket with your team in the bonus? So you they go right to the line, you know, like you you just you're just giving them um total an opportunity to score. When you when you're trying to close out the quarter strong. Those aren't smart basketball plays. The Celtics foul too damn much. You one of the reasons why they lost against Cleveland. They put the Cavs in the bonus with like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And the Cavs hit a tip to 17 free throws. That's why. That's bad basketball. You know, so you've got to shake things up. You got to do something. No, you don't trade. You can't trade Kimba. You don't trade Smart. You don't trade Tatum. I'm not talking about something drastic, but I'm talking about like to the lower core of this team. You've got to do something in terms of the roster. 
You've got to do something in terms of setting things up to give yourself a chance to win. I think the, the fans deserve that. I think this team is invested enough to do something uh, that they, you know, they're capable of doing something special. But with this team as a constructed, not even close. So that's going to wrap it up, folks. Um, we have definitely a lot to talk about. We'll have a lot to talk about next week. Next week, the trade deadline. Next week, two games against Milwaukee. A lot going on. So we'll talk to you next week. Remember, enjoy the NCAA tournament games. Enjoy Celtic and NBA games. Be safe out there. Wear your mask. And we will talk to you again next week on The Washburn Files.